Welcome to Volume 7 of The Enchanted Island of You. Chapter 23 The Red Rogue of Donna. One morning they were all standing in the courtyard waiting for their horses. As they were about to go for a ride, a courier came galloping swiftly up to the palace and cried, Does anyone know where Prince Marvel can be found? I am Prince Marvel replied the young knight, stepping out from among the others. Then I have reached my journey's end, said the courier, whose horse was nearly exhausted from a long and hard ride. The Lady Cecily is in great danger, and sends for you to come and rescue her. The great Baron Mad, her father has been killed, and his castle destroyed, and all his people are either captives or have been slain outright. Who has done this evil thing? asked Marvel, looking very stern and grave. "'The Red Rogue of Donna," answered the messenger. "'He quarrelled with the Baron Murd, and sent his savage hordes to tear down his castle and slay him. I myself escaped barely with my life, and the Lady Cecily had but time to say before she was carried off that if I could find Prince Marvel he would surely rescue her.' "'And so I will,' declared the Prince, "'if she still be alive.' "'Who is this lady, Cecily?' asked Nurl, who had come to his master's side. "'She is my first friend, to whom I owe my very existence. "'It is her image, together with those of her two friends, "'which is engraven upon my shield,' answered Prince Marvel thoughtfully. "'And what will you do?' inquired the esquire. "'I must go to her at once.' "'When they heard of his mission, all the party insisted on accompanying him,' Even the dainty Haikai could not be deterred by any thoughts of danger they might encounter, and after some discussion Prince Marvel allowed them to join him. So Wul Takim sharpened his big broadsword, and Nurl carefully prepared his master's horse, so that before an hour had passed they were galloping along toward the province of the Red Rogue of Dorna. Prince Marvel knew little concerning this personage, but Nurl had much to tell of him. The Red Rogue had once been a page to a wise scholar and magician, who lived in a fine old castle in Donna, and ruled over a large territory. The boy was very small and weak, smaller even than the average dwarf, and his master did not think it worth while to watch him. But one evening, while the magician was standing upon the top of the highest tower of his castle, the boy gave him a push from behind, and he met his death on the sharp rocks below. Then the boy took his master's book of magic and found a recipe to make one grow. He made the mixture and swallowed it, and straightway began to grow big and tall. This greatly delighted him, until he found he was getting much bigger than the average man, and rapidly becoming a giant. So he sought for a way to arrest the action of the magical draft, but before he could find it, he had grown to enormous proportions, and was bigger than the biggest giant. There was nothing in the book of magic to make one grow smaller, so he was obliged to remain as he was, the largest man in the enchanted island. All this had happened in a single night, the morning after his master's murder, the page announced himself lord of the castle, 
and seeing his enormous size, none dared deny him his right to rule. On account of his bushy hair, which was fiery red in color, and the bushy red beard that covered his face when he became older, people came to call him the Red One, and after his evil deeds and quarrelsome temper had made him infamous throughout the island, people began to call him the Red Rogue of Dorna. He had quickly gathered around him a number of savage barbarians, as wicked and quarrelsome as himself, and so none dared to interfere with him, even to meet him, if it were possible to avoid it. This same Red Rogue it was, who had drawn the good Baron Murd into a quarrel, and afterwards slain the old knight and his followers, destroyed his castle, and carried his little daughter Cecily and her girlfriends Berna and Helda into captivity, shutting them up in his gloomy castle. The Red Rogue thought he had done a very clever thing, and had no fear of the consequences, until one of his men came running up to the castle to announce that Prince Marvel and his companions were approaching to rescue the Lady Cecily. "'How many of them are there?' demanded the Red Rogue. "'There are eight altogether,' answered the man. "'But two of them are girls.' "'And they expect to force me to give up my captives?' asked the Red One, laughing with a noise like the roar of a waterfall. "'Why, I shall make prisoners of every one of them!' The man looked at his master fearfully and replied, "'This Prince Marvel is very famous, and all people speak of his bravery and power.' It was he who conquered King Terebus of Spore, and that mighty ruler is now his friend, and is one of the eight who approach. The Red Rogue stopped laughing, for the fame of Spore's terrible king had long ago reached him, and he reflected that anyone who could conquer the army of giants, dwarves, and grey men that so Terebus must surely be one to be regarded seriously. Moreover, and this was a secret, the Red Rogue had never been able to gain the strength to correspond with his gigantic size, but had ever remained as weak as he was when he was a puny boy, so he was accustomed to rely on his cunning and on the terror his very presence usually excited to triumph over his enemies, and he began to be very afraid of this prince. "'You say two of the party are girls?' he asked. "'Yes,' said the man, "'but also among them are King Terebus himself and the renowned Wul Takim." formerly king of Thebes, who was conquered by the prince, although accounted a hard fighter, and is now his devoted servant. There are two old men who are just alike and have a very fierce look about them. They are said to come from the hidden kingdom of Twy. By this time the Red Rogue was thoroughly frightened, but he did not yet despair of defeating his enemies. He knew better than to attempt to oppose Prince Marvel by force, but he still hoped to conquer him by trickery and deceit. Among the wonderful things that the Red Rogue's former master, the wise scholar and magician, had made were two large enchanted mirrors, which were set on either side of the great hallway of the castle. Heavy curtains were drawn over the surfaces of these mirrors, because they both possessed a dreadful magical power, for whenever anyone looked into one of them, his reflection was instantly caught and imprisoned in the mirror, and his body at the same time became invisible to all earthly eyes only the mere retaining his form. While considering a way to prevent the prince from freeing the Lady Cecily, the Red Rogue happened to think of these mares, which had never yet been used. So he went stealthily into the great hall, and drew aside the covering from one of the mares. He did not dare look into the mirror himself, but hurried away to another room, and then sent a page up a back stairway to summon the Lady Cecily and her two maids into his presence. 
The girls at once obeyed, for they greatly feared the Red Rogue, and of course they descended the front stairway and walked through the great hall. At once the large mirror that had been exposed to view caught the eye of Cecily, and she paused to regard her reflection in the glass. Her two companions did likewise, and instantly all three girls became invisible, while the mirror held their reflections fast in its magical surface. The Red Rogue was watching them through a crack in the door, and seeing the girls disappear, he gave a joyful laugh and exclaimed, "'Now let Prince Marvel find him if I can!' The three girls began to wander aimlessly through the castle, for not only were they invisible to others, but also to themselves, and to one another, and they knew not what to do, nor which way to turn. Chapter 24 The Enchanted Mirrors Presently Prince Marvel and his party arrived and paused before the doors of the castle, where the red rogue stood bowing to them with mock politeness and with an evil grin showing on his red face. "'I come to demand the release of the Lady Cecily and her companions,' Prince Marvel announced in a bold voice. "'And I also intend to call you to account for the murder of Baron Murd.' "'You must be at the wrong castle,' answered the Red One. "'For I have murdered no Baron, nor have I any Lady Cecily as prisoner.' "'Are you not the Red Rogue of Donna?' demanded the Prince. "'Men have called me by that name,' acknowledged the other. "'Then you are deceiving me,' said the prince. "'No, indeed,' answered the red rogue mockingly. "'I wouldn't deceive anyone for the world, "'but if you don't believe me, you're welcome to search my castle.' "'That I shall do,' returned the prince sternly, "'whether I have your permission or not.' "'And he began to dismount, but Nurl restrained him, saying, "'Master, I beg you, allow me to search the castle.' "'for this red rogue is playing some trick upon us, I'm sure, "'and if anything happened to you, "'there'd be no one to protect the little Harkar and our other friends.' "'Suppose something happened to you?' inquired the prince anxiously. "'In that case,' said Nur, "'you can avenge me.' "'The advice was so reasonable upon the circumstances "'that the prince decided to act upon it. "'Very well,' he said. "'Go and search the castle. I will remain with our friends. "'But if anything happens to you, I shall call the Red Rogue to account.' "'So Nurl entered the castle, passing by the huge form of its owner, "'who only nodded to the boy and grinned with delight. "'The esquire found himself in a great hall and began to look around, "'but without seeing anyone. "'Then he advanced a few steps and, in his surprise, discovered a large mirror "'in which were reflected the faces and forms of three girls, as well as his own. "'Well, here they are!' he attempted to say, but he could not hear his own voice. He glanced down at himself, but could see nothing at all, for his body had become invisible. His reflection was still in the glass, and he knew that his body existed the same as before. But although he saw plainly the hall and all that it contained, he could see neither himself nor any other person of flesh. After waiting a considerable time for his esquire to reappear, Prince Marvel became impatient. "'What have you done with Nell? he asked of the Red Rogue. "'Nothing,' was the reply. "'I've been here plainly within your sight every moment. "'Let me go and find him,' exclaimed King Terribus, and rushed into the castle before the prince could reply. But Terribus also encountered the enchanted mirror, and the prince waited in vain for his return. Then Wool Takim volunteered to go in search of the others, and drew his big sharp sword before entering the hall. But an hour passed by, and he did not return. 
The Red Rogue was overjoyed at the success of his stratagem and could scarcely refrain from laughing outright at the prince's anxiety. Marvel was very perplexed. He knew some treachery was afoot, but he could not imagine what it was, and when the pretty High Kai declared their intention of entering the castle, he used every endeavour to dissuade them. But the twin girls could not be denied, so great was their curiosity. So the prince said, Well, we will all go together, so that the Kai and I may be able to protect you. The Red Rogue gladly granted their admittance, and they passed him and entered the great hall. The place appeared to them to be completely empty, so they walked along and came opposite the mere. Here all stopped at once, and the twin High Kai uttered exclamations of surprise, and the twin Kai shouted, "'Great Kaikaku!' For there in the glass were the reflections of the three girls, and Nurl, and King Terebus, and Wul Takim. There were also the reflections of the twin High Kai, and the twin Kai. Only Prince Marvel's reflection was missing, and this was because of his fairy origin, for glass could reflect and hold only forms of mortals. But the prince saw the reflections of all the others, and then made the discovery that the forms of the Kai and the High Kai had become invisible, no one except himself appeared to be standing in the great hall of the Red Rogue's castle. Yet grouped within the glass were the likenesses of all his friends, as well as those of Lady Cecily and her companions, and all were staring back at him earnestly, as if imploring him to save them. The mystery was now explained, and Prince Marvel rushed from the hall to find the treacherous Red Rogue. But that clever trickster had hidden himself in an upper room, and for the present was safely concealed. For a time Prince Marvel could not think what to do. Such magic was all unknown to him, and how to free the imprisoned forms of his friends was a real problem. He walked around the castle, but no one was in sight, the rogue having given orders to all his people to keep away. Only the tethered horses did he see, and these raised their heads and whinnied, as if in sympathy with his perplexity. Then he went back into the hall and searched all the rooms of the castle, without finding a single person. On his return, he stopped in front of the mirror and sorrowfully regarded the faces of his friends, who again seemed to plead for relief. And while he looked, a sudden fit of anger came over him at being outwitted by this red rogue of Dorna. Scarcely knowing what he did, he seized his sword by the blade and struck the mirror a powerful blow with the heavy hilt. It shattered to a thousand fragments, which fell clattering upon the stone floor in every direction, and at once the charm was broken. Each of his friends now became visible. They appeared running toward him from all parts of the castle, where they had been wandering in their invisible forms. They called out joyful greetings to one another, and then all of them surrounded the prince and thanked him earnestly for releasing them. The little lady Cecily and her friends, Berna and Helda, were a bit shy in the presence of so many strangers, but they alone knew the prince's secret, and that he was a fairy transformed for a year, so they regarded him as an old and intimate acquaintance, and after being introduced by him to the others of his party, they became more at ease. The sweet little Haikai maids at once attracted Cecily, and she loved them almost at first sight. But it was Nurl who became the little lady's staunchest friend, for there was something rather mystical and unnatural to him about the Haikai, who seemed almost like fairies, while in Cecily he recognized a hearty, substantial girl of his own rank in life. While they stood talking and congratulating one another outside the castle, the Red Rogue of Donna appeared among them. He had heard the noise of the smashing of his great mirror, and had come running downstairs from his hiding place to find his cunning had all been for naught, and his captors were free. 
A furious anger then took possession of the rogue, and forgetting his personal weakness, he caught up a huge battle-axe and rushed out to hurl himself upon Prince Marvel, intending to do him serious injury. But the prince was not taken unaware. He saw the red rogue coming and met him with drawn sword, striking quickly at the arm that wielded the big axe. The stroke was as sure as it was quick, and piercing the arm of the giant caused him to drop the axe with a howl of pain. Then Prince Marvel seized the red rogue by the ear, which he was just tall enough to reach, and dragged him up the stairs and into the castle, the big fellow crying for mercy at every step and trembling like a leaf through cowardice. Down the hall, Marvel marched him, seeking some room where the rogue might be safely locked in. The great curtain that covered the second enchanted mirror now caught Prince Marvel's eye, and still holding his prisoner by the ear, he reached out his left hand and pulled aside the drapery. The red rogue looked to see what his captor was doing, and beheld his own reflection in the magic mirror. Instantly he gave a wild cry and disappeared, his body becoming absolutely invisible, while his coarse red countenance stared back from the mirror. And then Prince Marvel gave a sigh of relief and dropped the curtain over the surface of the mirror, for he realized the red rogue of Donna had at last met with his punishment, and was safely imprisoned for all time. Chapter 25 the adventurers separate. When Prince Marvel and his friends had ridden away from the castle, the savage followers of the Red One came creeping up to listen for their master's voice. But silence reigned in every part of the castle, and after stealing fearfully through the rooms without seeing anyone, the fellows became filled with terror and fled from the place never to return. Afterwards, the neighbors whispered that the castle was haunted by the spirit of the terrible Red Rogue, and travellers dared not stop in the neighbourhood, but pass by quickly and with averted faces. The prince and his party rode gaily along toward the kingdom of Haig, for Nurl had invited them all to visit his father's castle. They were very happy over their escape, and only the little lady Cecily became sad at times, when she thought of her father's sad fate. Baron Neger, who was Nurl's father, was not only a wealthy nobleman, but exceedingly kind and courteous, so that every member of Prince Marvel's party was welcomed to the big castle in a very hospitable manner. Nur was eagerly embraced by both his father and mother, who were overjoyed to see him return safe and sound after his wanderings and adventures. "'Have you been cured of your longing for something you cannot have?' asked the Baron anxiously. "'Not quite,' said Nur, laughing. "'But I'm more reconciled to my lot.' "'for I find wherever I go people are longing for just the things they cannot get, "'and probably would not want if they had them. "'So, as it seems to be the fate of most mortals to live unsatisfied, "'I shall try hereafter to be more contented.' "'These words delighted the good baron, "'and he gave a rich and magnificent feast in honour of his son's return. "'The High Kai of Twy, after passing several pleasant days at Nurl's home, "'now decided that he had seen enough of the world and would be glad to return to their own kingdom, where all was peaceful and uneventful, and to rule it to the end of their days. So the baron furnished them an escort of twenty men-at-arms, and these conducted the high Kai and the aged Kai safely back to the hole in the hedge. And after they entered the land of Twy, the first act of the high Kai was to order the hedge repaired and the hole blocked up and I have never heard that anyone from that time forward ever succeeded in gaining admittance to the hidden kingdom, so its subsequent history is unknown. 
King Terebus also bade the prince an affectionate farewell and rode back to his own kingdom, and burly Wultakim accompanied him as far as the cave where the fifty-eight reformed thieves awaited him. Nurl's mother gladly adopted the Lady Cecily and her two companions, and thereafter they made their home at the Baron's castle, and years afterward, when they had grown to be women, Cecily was married to Nurl and became the Lady of the Castle herself. Prince Marvel enjoyed the feasting and dancing at the castle very much, but after the party began to break up, and the High Kai and the Kai had left him, as well as King Terebus and the honest Wultakim, the young knight grew thoughtful and sometimes uneasy, and his happy laugh was less frequently heard. Nurl often regarded his young master with a feeling of awe, for there occasionally came a look into Marvel's eyes that reminded him more of the immortals than of any human being. But the prince treated him with rare kindness, and always pressed Nurl's hand affectionately when he bade him good night, for he had grown fond of the esquire. Also they had long conversations together, during which Nurl gleaned a great deal of knowledge, and received some advice that was of much use to him in his later life. One day Prince Marvel sought out Lady Cecily and said, "'Will you ride with me to the forest of Lurla?' "'Willingly,' she answered, and calling Berna and Helda to attend them, they mounted their horses and rode swiftly away, for it was a good distance to Lurla. By noon the party entered the forest, and although the path they traversed was unknown to the girls who usually entered the forest from the other side, near to where the Baron Murd's castle had stood, the prince seemed to have no difficulty in finding his way. He guided them carefully along the paths, his handsome war-charger stepping with much grace and dignity, until at length they came to a clearing. Here the prince paused abruptly, and Cecily looked around her and at once recognized the place. "'Why?' she exclaimed in surprise. "'It is the fairy bower!' And then she turned to Prince Marvel and asked in a soft voice, "'Is the year ended, prince?' His smile was a bit sad as he answered slowly, The year will end in five minutes. Chapter 26 The End of the Year The girls sat upon the green moss and waited. Prince Marvel stood silent beside his horse. The silver armor was as bright as the day he had donned it. Nor was there a dent in his untarnished shield. The sword that had done such good service he held lightly in his hand, and the horse now and then neighed softly and turned to look at him with affectionate eyes. Cecily began to tremble with excitement, and Berna and Helda stared at the prince with big round eyes. But, after all, they saw nothing so remarkable as they expected, for presently, and it all happened in a flash, Prince Marvel was gone from their midst, and a handsome, slender-limbed deer darted from the bower and was quickly lost into the thick forest. On the ground lay a sheet of bark and a twig from a tree, and beside them was Lady Cecily's white velvet cloak. Then the three girls each drew a long breath and looked into one another's eyes, and while thus engaged, a peal of silvery laughter sounded in their ears and made them spring quickly to their feet. Before them stood a tiny and very beautiful fairy, clothed in floating gossamer robes of rose and pearl color, and with eyes sparkling like twin stars. Prince, Prince Marvel! They exclaimed the three together. No, indeed! cried the fairy with a pretty little pout. I am no one but myself, and really, 
I believe I shall now be content to exist for a few hundred years in my natural form. I have quite enjoyed my year as a mortal, but after all, there are, I find, some advantages in being a fairy. Goodbye, my dears. And with another ripple of laughter, the pretty creature vanished, and the girls were left alone. Chapter 27 A Hundred Years Afterwards About a hundred years after Prince Marvel enjoyed his strange adventures in the enchanted island of Yu, an odd thing happened. A hidden mirror in a crumbling old castle of Donna broke loose from its fastenings and fell crashing onto the stone pavement of the deserted hall. And from amid the ruins rose the gigantic form of a man. His hair and beard were a fiery red, and he gazed at the desolation around him in absolute amazement. It was the red rogue of Donna, set free from his imprisonment. He wandered out and found strange scenes confronting him, for during the hundred years a great change had taken place in the enchanted island. Great cities had been built and great kingdoms established. Civilizations had won the people, and they no longer robbed or fought or indulged in magical arts, but were busily employed in leading respectable lives. When the Red Rogue tried to tell folks who he was, they but laughed at him, thinking the fellow crazy. He tried to get together a band of thieves as Wul Takin had done in the old days, but none would join him. And so, forced to be honest against his will, the rogue was driven to earn a living by digging in the garden of a wealthy noble of whom he had never before heard. But often he would pause in his labors and lean on his spade while thoughts of the old days of wild adventure passed through his mind in rapid succession. And then the big man would shake his red head with a puzzled air and mutter, I wonder who that priest marvel could have been. And I wonder what ever became of him. The End This is your narrator, Jim Campanella. We hope that you've enjoyed L. Frank Baum's Enchanted Isle of You. Performance copyright 2008 by Uvula Audio. The theme music was, of course, the Teddy Bear's Picnic, or Teddy Bear Two-Step, by J.W. Bratton. The recording is an old one, done by Ralph Herman, with Bob Prescott doing the sound effects. The mandolin music was performed and composed by Ian Hughes. It was entitled Mandola, and was supplied by SoundDogs.com. As usual, our sound effects were obtained from SoundDogs.com. Please feel free to write us and tell us what you think at uvulaaudio at uvulaaudio.com. And check out our MySpace website to contact fellow listeners. MySpace.com slash uvulaaudio. We are listed on Podcast Alley. Please feel free to vote for the adult or kids book cast so that we can get more listeners. As usual, check out our Cafe Press website for t-shirts and other stuff. For other Uvula Audio titles, please go to our website at www.uvulaaudio.com. We will next be presenting Jeeves and the Feudal Spirit by P.G. Wodehouse on the adult podcast stream. And that will be followed by Paul Ernst's 1937 pulp novel classic Justice Incorporated, which introduced the hero Richard Benson, who actually inspired the creation of Batman. Our last contest was won by Julie D. of Dallas, Texas, who actually has her own podcast, Forgotten Classics, on Blogspot. She won the free mug, and her photo is now posted in our winner's circle on the Uvula webpage, along with a link to her own webpage. We will try the contest again this month, 
again, the first person to email us after this podcast goes out with their name and address will get a free Uvula Audio t-shirt or mug, your choice, mailed to them. Email us at uvulaaudio at uvulaaudio.com. In return, we ask only that you email us back a photo of you wearing the t-shirt or holding the mug so that we can post it to the Uvula Audio website to our contest winners page. Anyone having any connection to Uvula Audio is, of course, not eligible for the contest. From all of us at Uvula Audio, we thank you.